This minimalist wants more. Enoughism is about having enough already. Enoughism is changing perceptions of mindfulness and meditation. I'm your host, Yugen Bond. For more, visit IamEnoughism.com and follow me on social media at IamEnoughism. Imagine you're sitting next to a politician, one you don't agree with, and talking to them, listening to them, getting to know why they think the way they do and how their unique experiences shape their beliefs. Imagine they also listen to you, person to person, heart to heart. And when the conversation is over, someone you once dismissed for their opposing views is now a friend. I'm here with Jonathan Rivera, a conversational activist who does just this. Jonathan practices extreme listening. Here, he convenes people together with very different opinions to sit with each other and share their perspectives. His mission is to encourage others to find commonality and realize not how different they are, but how similar they actually are. Hey, Jonathan. Hey, how's it going? Going good. Thanks for being here. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. So aside from being an aviation engineer, your life mission is to bridge human curiosity with human connection and ultimately change people's perceptions of what minimalism is. So let's start by talking about how do you define minimalism and what role does it have in your life? Yeah, I I think that minimalism is more than just how many objects I own or how many objects I solely depend on. To me, minimalism is my mindset. It's my mindset and my focus. What I choose to focus on, how I kind of marinate even my, my passions, my, my desires, my goals. It's when I focus on the minimalism, meaning solely have one focus and have everything fall under that focus. It's not just about physical, tangible objects, although that is part of it as well. But I think it's kind of like a foundation. When you have the minimalistic mindset as your foundation, I think everything else kind of falls into place. Yeah, and is there a certain aspect of your life where your minimalism lens may be a little bit different than someone who is not a minimalist? My experience, for example, like when I am shopping, you know, I do buy things as a minimalist. I buy things from a certain lens. So I buy things that have multiple purposes. I buy things that are consumable, like food or shampoo. But for me, like more specialized items, like a garlic chopper, That might be something that I say, oh, I don't know if I want that because a knife, which serves multiple purposes, could do the same thing. Are there certain moments throughout your day where maybe you kind of catch yourself and think, oh, this is part of that minimalist focus? Yeah, definitely. I think that kind of like how how you mentioned shopping, that's definitely one way. But also nowadays, especially with basic human interactions that we've had, They've kind of taken the backseat and our worlds have become very small. So the more minimalistic my mindset is, the more I can adapt. I can adapt to change. And especially in this year, the easier it was for me to adapt to that change 
and with our communication, with our face-to-face interactions, when those became limited, my my focus was still the same. My my minimalistic mindset kind of, it, it didn't just kick in, but it was already there. I didn't really have to compromise much. I didn't really have to get, uh, I didn't have to get used to a lot because my, my mindset was already there and my, my focus, when I had a sole focus on what was important to me, it was easier to deal with that change. Yes, that's very powerful to be able to have resilience during a difficult time and have minimalism be the core, like you said. And I think this is a great tie-in to your work as a conversational activist. So tell me a little bit about what that means and how your work in that space ties into your minimalist approach to life. Well, as a, as a conversational activist, what I do is I seek to have conversations with those who are different than me, those who disagree with me, those who may even not like me. I have conversations with them and I listen. I extreme listen to them with the purpose of learning something about them, learning why it is that they feel the way they feel. Why is, why is it that they look at the world the way that they do? And the activism is trying to bridge those differences. And instead of focusing on why we're different, I focus on how we're similar and how we can better coexist. That's very powerful. I love that phrase, extreme listening. Many people's perceptions are threaded to their family and their parents and their parents' parents and just generations and generations and where you grew up and what you perceive as normal versus what someone else perceives as abnormal. So is there... Anything memorable you can think of from your work that where you kind of saw that transformation happening? Yeah, absolutely. You know, part, part of what I do is I myself, I go and I approach those people that are, that are different or disagree with me, or I disagree with them, and I go to their environment. I go there and I, I try to walk, walk a day in their, in their shoes to see, to try to comprehend and understand them. And, and why they think the way they do. For example, this, I had the, the, the real pleasure, actually, because it was. I had the real pleasure of meeting two people in two, you know, earlier this year during the summer when the political tensions were really, really rising high. For example, here in the U.S., we had our elections this year. And, we, and I was able to go ahead and speak to one of the, the, the founders of the Republicans for Biden. And I was actually able to speak to a state senator, somebody that was running for state senate in the state of Arizona, who was originally from South Korea, who was a heavy Trump supporter. So I had two people that were probably not your common, not the most common people that would probably, they were backing the groups that they were. But it was really neat to be able to sit down with them. For example, when, when I sat down with Mr. His name is Mr. Jay Chin, and he was running for state senate, and he was uh, very conservative, and he had he, he was originally from South Korea. And when I sat down with him, 
I wanted to learn from him and I wanted to, to talk to him. And, and I approached him and I told him that if he were to give me a couple minutes of his time, I would help hand out water at one of his events. Or yeah. I would help pass out papers. Eventually, what I, did, what I ended up doing for him was I was helping him the day after the election to take all of his signs down all around town, the yard signs. And, and I spent the day with him just taking down the signs. And, and I didn't see eye to eye with him on a lot of things politically. But the neat thing was that I was able to learn about why he thought the way he did and how, why he viewed the world that he did. Because his world is the same as, as the one I was living in, but his world was a little bit different because of the experiences that he had. He had a better, another expectation. He had another expectation of how things should be. And I wanted to listen to him. Even though I disagreed with him on, on a lot of what he said, I was still able to find a commonality and something that we both shared a passion on. And I, I left the conversation with a friend. It was neat because when we were speaking, we, we got to the point to where I eventually, I had forgotten who he was politically. I had forgotten that I was in a room of 20 or so people that completely disagreed with me on politics. Yeah. But I forgot that. After, after almost 20 minutes, 30 minutes, I com- that completely left, left the room because I was sitting there talking to him like I would talk to my best friend. And I feel that this is how I changed the world that day by bridging and by finding a commonality with him, somebody that was completely different than me in his ideology, in his, in his mentality, but I changed the world that day. And I can, we can all change the world every day by having those conversations with those people that we disagree with, with the purpose of learning and the purpose of trying to understand each other so we can better coexist. Thank you for sharing that. And it's such a simple story. And at the same time, it's such a complex story. And one conversation at a time, it really is the way to change the world. And you becoming kind of the great equalizer in the room finding the commonalities between people and kind of aligning them together, that that's a very bold and brazen thing to put yourself in the middle of willingly. How has your traveling experience shifted your perspective, both as a conversational activist and as a minimalist within a much greater world? Yeah, so I... That's really where it started for me was back in around 2016, I had been working with, uh, with American Airlines at that point for, for two years. And then my, my job title kind of switched. I got, I got a promotion, I guess, if you will. So I was traveling now almost every week. And it was 
not just here in the U.S., but it was all over. I spent a lot of time in, in Asia, Middle East, Europe, Australia. And a lot of my trips were, were kind of shorter trips, maybe about three to four days. And what I found neat was with the little time that I had in every place, I approached every place with the minimalistic mindset that I was solely focused on finding the differences and embracing those differences by trying to build on the commonality that I was able to find with people. So, so what I did was, for example, you know, I would go to a place like, like, like Paris and, and I wouldn't go see the Eiffel Tower and I wouldn't spend time in, in the museums that are probably the, the more touristy places. No, but what I would do is I, I would get there and I would immediately go to where I, kind of off the, you know, the, the places that were a little not, not as popular, but not as touristy. And the reason I'd go there is because I wanted to find the local people and I wanted to find and really build off of our, our differences with them. I would try to reach out to people before I got to the place or before I got to the, to the city that I was going to. But what I did was I would sit down and try to arrange conversations with people. And many times the conversations I had were on the spot. I would, you know, walk around with my, with my backpack, my map and my headphones, just looking and I would find someone and I would start talking to them. And many times we'd have the conversation right there then where I had the minimalistic focus that I was focusing on somebody who was different than me. And I was trying to find something that we both had in common that I can learn from them. And I was basing my travels off of these conversations and my focus, my sole focus was on trying to find one new thing from each trip, one new person and one new thing that I was able to learn from them that we both had in common. And that was the purpose of each trip rather than going to the touristy sites. Yes. And I would think that that kind of a mindset, it's, it's reminding me of something like the law of attraction or the secret where you're opening your mind and your heart to what's to come and to what hasn't yet manifested but you know you're going to find it and i would think your travels with your backpack and your open mind it's kind of like you're a magnet people would perhaps be very drawn to you because you have this curiosity about you and perhaps you're one of the few people they've spoken to in, in a long while who who really wants to hear their story and wants to listen to them yeah, I'd, I'd like to think so. I'd like to think so. I think that a lot of people, not just abroad, but here in the States, and especially in 2020, I think that a lot of people just want to be heard. A lot of people just want a voice. They want somebody that they can talk to, and they want somebody to, to be able to understand them, comprehend them, why they are, they think the way they think. And, and we think many times that with, you know, for example, social media, right? If I post something and I have, you know, a million followers, then guess what? 
that means that a million people listen to me, right? Yeah. Well, well, I, 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 I think that's, I think that's not, not, not only is that wrong, but that's a dangerous misconception because I think that people don't go on social media because they want to listen. People don't go on social media because they want to learn. People go on social media because they want to follow. They want to belong. When in reality, some of the people with, even with, you know, hundreds, thousands of followers, they're some of the loneliest people because what they're posting isn't necessarily a true representation of how they feel or who they are. So that's why I think that social, social media, is, as, as, as good as it does, it's not listening. It's not necessarily listening. Um, listening is talking to someone one-on-one, talking to somebody and hearing them, hearing what they have to say and having a conversation where you learn from them. This is not just the cause, but this, this, is, this is a fight. This is a, a very serious problem. That, that, that's, why, that's why I consider myself an activist because I am fighting to have these conversations because not only have these conversations taken the backseat, if you will, and not only are they one of the maybe most uncomfortable ways to, to communicate, but it's who you talk to and who you can interact with personally. That's how you create change. Change doesn't happen from the leaders or from the people with the most followers. It's, it's sometimes the people with the most anonymity and the most common people. Those are the ones that create the most change. That's very poetic. And many people value their self-worth by how many likes, how many followers. And I find social media is so overly stimulating there when when you go on to say twitter your feed is just it's so full of sound bites and just little pieces fragments of information mostly meant to elicit a reaction in you whether good or bad and i think a lot of social media is more people kind of living their lives in a reactionary state. Like you said, they're not listening. What we all have in common is we all want to be loved. We all want to be heard. We all want to be understood. So how can people live their lives listening to each other? I think that's a really great question because often we think that by talking to each other, it it just means that we are just literally just projecting our voices to each other, right? That's talking, but listening. What does it mean to listen? To listen doesn't necessarily mean that I just registered everything that you that you told me, and I may even, you know, throw in a couple signs of confirmation, a couple mm-hmm or nods or oh yeah, uh huh, uh huh, you know, kind of throw <laughs> throw those in. I mean, that, is that listening? I think that's just confirming that you that you know that the person's talking, but listening means that you sit down 
with someone, or I mean, it could be over the phone. It doesn't need to be face to face. The face to face would be the ideal, but when it's when you listen and you don't speak, you don't interrupt. You sit there and with as much eye contact as you can, you listen to the person that's talking and you give them that voice, whether they're talking to to tell you, to, to confirm, that it, maybe it's a command, maybe it's a question, whatever it may be, but to listen. Listening is harder than confirming, right? And then, yes. Yeah, and then extreme listening, like I mentioned, <laughs> that means you're really, really listening. Or, you know, that, that's when you are listening to the person to learn from them and to find a commonality find something that you can share a passion with this person you know i i i call i call it the leaving the room effect what what i mean is when you have a conversation with somebody who's different when you're extreme listening to learn from someone when you leave the room, when you're finished with that conversation, it's how you made the person feel about the discussion you just had. You know, you may, I don't have to, I, I don't, I'm not talking to someone who's different than me to compromise my own beliefs, nor am I there to try to change their, theirs. That's not what I'm doing. What I'm doing is I want to have the leaving a room effect with them. So when we leave, they can sit there and they can, they can think to me and, you know, when, when my name comes up or when someone asks, oh, how was your conversation with, with, with that person? That's when they, they may say something like, oh, I, I don't agree with them, but I like them. They're a good person. They've listened. Right. You know, that's what the leaving a room effect is. And that's a result of extreme listening. Do you find that someone will say something that kind of immediately triggers a stereotype or you, you kind of think you have them figured out just by human nature and then you kind of find yourself starting to backtrack? Because I, I would imagine we all are conditioned in some way to have perceptions of people. And when you first sit down with someone, it's it's just a natural tendency to just have kind of a, a stereotypical perception of maybe what the conversation will be like. And obviously your goal is to fight against that. Is there, is there a time when you kind of felt that thought process happening where you went, oh, wow, I had this person all figured out all incorrectly? Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. And, and I think I, I love what you just said because that ties perfectly with the minimalistic mindset. See, when I approach someone to have a conversation with them. My minimalistic mindset is there. I've already decided how I'm going, going to react to this conversation in the case that the person may, may even question you, attack you, or just kind of throw their opinion on you because they're controlling the narrative in the beginning because we're there to listen. With these conversations, you are listening to the person. You're not doing a lot of the talking. As, as a matter of fact, you're doing very little talking, yeah. very little talking. And my minimalistic mindset tells me, 
I'm not there to attack them. I'm not there to debate them. I'm there to find a commonality. Because, see, what the opposite would be, you know, when I speak to someone who's different than me, well, I can immediately react. When they say something, they may even say something about me, or, or they may say, well, 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 well this, is, this is what's wrong with the world. This is what they're doing. This is why they're wrong, right? So, some of those comments. Right, you know, you're shifting the blame or reshifting exactly. the blame. Jonathan, it takes a very mature mindset to kind of clear the noise. Do you do a lot of meditation? I do. I do. I, I enjoy meditation. I, I, I enjoy meditation and I, I try to incorporate it in my kind of my everyday, you know, when I'm maybe sitting, sitting on, you know, on the, on the train or if I'm in a car, if I'm just walking, you know, sometimes what I'll do is I'll, I'll turn the music off. I'll take my headphones out. I'll, you know, silence my phone and I'll just sit there in silence and I let my mind and my my thoughts and I kind of let everything kind of fade out. All the all the, the noise, text messages, the music. I, I, I turn all of that off and, and focus on me. It's kind of like you're bringing that same mindset to the conversations you have where you're starting mm-hmm. from a place of emptiness in a good way, like kind of a clean slate. And it's that kind of same mindset that is often what people strive for when they meditate is having a clean slate and clearing out your mind of all the noise and all the preconceived notions. Yeah, it takes time and I'm not perfect. I'm, I'm trying, I'm trying. And it'll very likely take the rest of my life to be able to talk to as many people as I can because my goal is to change the world every day, every day. And it's, it's a cause that's a lot bigger than myself. And I would even add that by having a minimalistic mind and a minimal, minimalistic way to have these conversations, how that can help is instead of filling those gaps of difference, of maybe anger that you might have with people that disagree with you, instead of filling those differences with with anger and unnecessary social distractions, fill that gap in with commonality. Fill it in with what you want to learn from the person and go into the conversation with that solely being the focus. Yes, you focus on the commonality to bring out the best in two people versus the worst in two people. Absolutely. It'll take time. But activism is not about immediate results. I I guess to end on too is like the word activist is such a powerful word. What does it mean to be an activist? To be an activist means that you are fighting for a cause, that you are putting your passions, your talents, your time to make this world better than how you found it and to fight with action, not violence, but with with action. You are fighting a wrong in the world. That's activism. 
And a conversational activism, for example, is I am fighting the division that exists. I am fighting it with the talents I have. My cause is to try to destroy that division because nobody grows with division. Nobody thrives in division. You can choose. Yeah. You can choose to join the division, but when there's division and you kind of piggyback on it and you choose a side rather than try to unite, then you're adding to the problem. You're not adding to the solution. And that's my fight. My fight is to unify and to change the world every day with the conversations that we have. And that is a cause that's bigger than myself and one that I'm planting seeds on because I will not see the immediate results on a larger scale. But that's okay. That's okay because when our cause and when our fight is bigger than ourselves, when it's when our cause and our fight look kind of scary, then you know you're doing the right thing. Mm-hmm.